This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Monday, March 26th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Downey. Here's today's headlines. China vows to hit back with tariffs on U.S. ag. U.S. and Korea to conclude chorus talks this week. Cattle ranchers and grizzly bears don't mix. China vows to hit back with tariffs on U.S. ag. Just as American farmers and ranchers feared China is taking aim at ag imports to retaliate against the Trump administration's steel and aluminum import taxes that went into effect on Friday. China's Commerce Department announced plans to levy between 15% and 25% tariffs on U.S. fruit, nuts, wine, ethanol, pork, ginseng, and many other products, that according to a translation of the document. China does not want a trade war with anyone, the government said in a separate statement released by the embassy in Washington. But China is not afraid of and will not recall from a trade war. China is confident and capable of facing any challenge. If a trade war were initiated by the U.S., China would fight to the end to defend its own legitimate interests with all necessary measures. The actions undertaken by the U.S. are self-defeating. They will directly harm the interest of U.S. consumers, companies, and financial markets. They also jeopardize international trade order and world economic stability. Farm groups that would see their members directly impacted by the Chinese tariffs were quick to respond. The U.S. apple industry worked very hard over years and in 2015 finally achieved full access to the Chinese market, just as China has access to our market. We are competing and winning with our exports to China, growing nicely from zero to about two and a half million boxes per year. That according to U.S. Apple Association President and CEO Jim Baer. China's retaliatory response to U.S. tariffs are just the latest chapter at a long and sad story where U.S. apple growers get hurt in a fight we didn't start and in which we have no interest. U.S. ethanol exports to China have been hobbled for more than a year after China increased tariffs on the imported U.S. fuel from 5 to 30 percent. The latest threat just makes the situation worse, said Growth Energy CEO Emily Score. Score said we're disappointed that China is seeking additional tariffs on U.S. ethanol exports. These actions could undercut our potential to increase exports to China following the country's stated goal to move to a 10% ethanol blend by 2020 and would be a major barrier to increased trade. It could get worse. While China's exposure to the steel and aluminum tariffs is minimal because it's a minor exporter, President Trump's latest tariff announcement on Thursday last week is aimed directly at China. Trump announced tariffs of about $60 billion worth of tariffs on Chinese goods to punish the country for years of stealing intellectual property, and the U.S. ag sector is fully expecting China to hit back hard on U.S. soybeans. The U.S. exports about $14 billion worth of soybeans to China, making it the largest foreign market for American soy farmers. While China has not specifically named soybean imports as a target for retaliation, that could change soon. Chinese officials scheduled to speak today at the World Trade Organization meeting on the Section 301 tariffs aimed at a long list of Chinese exports, such as agriculture and aerospace equipment. In the meantime, leaders of the Iowa Soybean Association have been in China meeting with importers, feed mills, and processors to firm up relations and discuss the recent trade aggression between the two countries. Iowa Soybean Association President-elect Lindsey Greiner told AgriPulse, 
While in China, we discuss the issues critical to both countries so that we can maintain strong ties for the import and export of soybeans and other agricultural products from tariffs and foreign matter to the quality and consistency of the product we provide. Our hope is that discussions directly with Chinese officials and buyers can shed some light on these important topics. Both countries have a lot to gain by continuing our strong trade relationship. Another member of the delegation, Iowa Soybean Association President Bill Shipley, expressed frustration over the damage politics is doing to trade that farmers depend on. He said, it stands to negatively impact me and every part of the supply chain. It's evident from our conversations in China that neither want a trade disruption. U.S. and Korea to conclude chorus talks this week. With all the gloomy news surrounding ag trade, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross delivered a ray of sunshine on Friday. The U.S. and South Korea are set to successfully conclude negotiations this week to revamp the five-year-old five-year free trade agreement between the two countries. The months of talks were focused on addressing the Trump administration's complaints over the $17 billion U.S. trade deficit with the Asian country, none of which was caused by ag trade. Under the trade deal, commonly called Chorus, South Korea agreed to slash tariffs on U.S. beef, corn, wheat, sorghum, and other commodities. President Trump had threatened to pull out of the pact more than once, sparking fears by groups like the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. South Korea imposed 40% tariffs on U.S. beef before Chorus was enacted in 2012. That's been dropping steadily and will hit zero by 2027. The U.S. became the largest beef supplier to South Korea in 2016, surpassing Australian exports for the first time. U.S. beef exports to South Korea reached about $1.1 billion in 2017, almost double what they had been five years earlier. Ernst encouraged by RFS talks. Negotiations to address the price of renewable fuel standard compliance have mostly been at the administrative level in the last few days, but one of the key senators in the discussion says she's glad the president appears to agree with a main point pushed by the biofuels industry. Iowa Republican Joni Ertz told members of the American Coalition for Ethanol last week, I'm encouraged that President Trump agrees the year-round sale of E15 will bring down REN prices. As for the administration, ACEO Brian Jennings tells AgriPulse the group is confident the Department of Agriculture understands the ramifications of waiving or capping renewable identification numbers. He said, we think they're in a much better place today than they were a month ago. But Jennings says he isn't comfortable with what might happen at the Environmental Protection Agency. He said Bill Wilram, assistant administrator for EPA's Office of Air and Radiation, agreed that year-round sale of E15 could drive down rent costs, but deal-making might still be afoot. Jennings said, I remain concerned that EPA wants to strike some sort of a win-win, as they describe it, whereby they have to give something to refiners if they're going to do RVP relief. Gulf dead zone continues to grow. Even if farmers in the Mississippi River Basin became 100% efficient by preventing any nitrogen from leaving their farms, it would still take the Gulf of Mexico 30 years to recover, a new paper in Science Magazine concludes. Each year, scientists measure the size of the dead zone of the Gulf, so named because of low levels of oxygen in the water. Last year, the zone was the largest ever, measured at 8,776 square miles, 
It's an area about the size of New Jersey. It will take decades to achieve the desired improvements in the Gulf of Mexico water quality, even without the inevitable delays in implementation of selected conservation measures, the paper says. Restoring the Gulf to health will require action on multiple fronts, the authors say. Significant reductions in inloading may be possible, they write, but these reductions will require not just minor changes in land management, but fundamental alterations of the agroecosystem, perhaps including a widespread conversion to perennial biofuel crops. Cattle ranchers and grizzly bears don't mix. First it was the wolves and now the bears. Rancher groups say they are upset over the Interior Department's support for a plan to introduce grizzly bears to the Washington North Cascades. The Washington Cattlemen's Association Executive Vice President Sarah Ryan says the idea of dumping man-eating grizzly bears from helicopters into Washington National Parks has not been well thought out. Once the grizzly bear walks out of the park and into rural towns and private and state lands, the community surrounding the recovery area can be greatly impacted. Well, here's today's He Said It. What is it I represent? The feed trough of America? That represented Rodney Davis, a Republican of Illinois, expressing mock frustration that his district doesn't have an agriculture nickname like the Salad Bowl, a reference to California's Solanus Valley. Well, that's Daybreak for this Monday, March 26th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Dowling.